Good morning, church. My name is Ferdinand, and I'm the pastor of Rock City Church at Nanawading. What a privilege it is um, for me to be here to bring God's word to you. And during this difficult time of the COVID-19 pandemic, many people are suffering and are perhaps questioning their faith. They ask questions like, if God allows a pandemic that kills so many lives, why should I worship such a God? I, I believe everyone, whether you are Christian or not, should ask this question. Why do we serve God who allows suffering? However, if you are a Christian, perhaps I would like to press a little bit more by asking, why do you worship and serve God? What's your reason for putting your faith in Jesus? And in our Bible, uh, perhaps there was no person apart from Jesus who suffered as much and as deeply as Job. So this morning, I'd like to invite us all to look at Job's life uh, in order to find the answers to questions like, what is true faith? And how does true devotion look like, especially in times of suffering like the pandemic we're facing right now? So to help us explore the questions of true faith and true devotion, we're going to look at these under three headings. The first one is the destructiveness of Satan, the sovereignty of God, the second one, and the third one, the devotion of man. So who was Job? And let us read from Job 1, verse 1 to 3. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. There were born to him seven sons and three daughters. He possessed 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 female donkeys, and very many servants so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. The opening verses of the book informs us about who Job is. And it tells us that Job was uh, an upright man who feared God. In other words, Job was not only a good person, he was a righteous person. And he had 10 children, and he was very wealthy, and his wealth was measured, just like the people in those days, by the large possessions of animals and also the many servants that Job had. So now let us uh, look at the first point, the destructiveness of Satan. And let me read to you from Job 1, verse 6 to 8. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. The Lord said to Satan, From where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth, and from walk, walking up and down to it. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil? Commentators of the Bible and preachers alike have many ideas when it comes to what the book of Job is all about. 
And some says it's a book on suffering and specifically the why of suffering. But I believe the key verses on what the book of Job is about can be found uh, in the next two verses in Job 1 verse 9 to 11. And let me read to you. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Thus Job fear God for no reason. Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will curse you to your face. Uh, in other words, Satan questioned God in this way. Did Job really serve God? God for nothing? Did Job serve you, Lord, only because of what you have done for him? And of course, to which God said to, to Satan, um, which we've just read, and this is my own translation, he said, go for it, Satan. You can take Job's wealth and his family and everything, but just don't touch him. And Satan did exactly just that. He he took everything from Job, destruction after destruction. In fact, um, we, we, we shall see that he, um, he, he have four waves of, there are four waves of destructions just in chapter 1 alone. And we shall read the first wave, Job 1, verse 13 to 15. Now there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And there came a messenger to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them, and the Sabians fell upon them and took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. And the second wave, Job 1 verse 16. While he was yet Still speaking, there came another and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I alone have escaped to tell you. And the next wave, the third wave in the next verse, verse 17. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, The Chaldeans from three groups and made a raid on the camels and, and took them and struck down the servants and with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. And the fourth and final wave in chapter 1, verse 18 to 19. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, Your sons and your daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And behold, a great wind came across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house. And it fell upon the young people and they are dead. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Can you even begin to imagine uh, how Job must have felt at this point? Remember, well, we, the readers, that's you and I, know the context of why he suffers. Job did not know why he suffers. He, Job was in the dark. Um, he didn't know what's going on. He didn't realize that in a sense, he, he was being offered by God to Satan. And oftentimes, uh, our lives are, our suffering feels this way, that we do not know why we suffer. Perhaps um, 
our suffering is without reason, as in Job's suffering. Satan, in, in what we just read, questioned God. Does, does Job fear God for nothing, for no reason? Or, or, you know, that Job serve you because what you have done and the fact that you have blessed him. Now, when, when Satan questioned God, does Job fear God for no reason? That, that word for no reason is the Hebrew word hinam. It is important because we will see this again in Job chapter 2 verse 3. And I'm going to read to you this very word, uh, this verse. Job 2 verse 3. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil? He still holds fast his integrity, although you incited me against him to destroy him without reason. And that's that word again, without reason. Hinam. Uh, in this life, sometimes we do face suffering without reason. Hinam suffering. Uh, a trial like Job. We, we don't understand where we don't understand what's going on or um, why is it happening to us. And perhaps like Job, we will never get an answer. However, we must remember as we face Hinam suffering or suffering without reason, it will help us investigate our own heart, look deep into our own heart, the reason for our worship as to why we worship God, as to why we serve God, and whether we, we serve God for nothing or for something, just as Satan have accused Job of. Now, in the midst of the destructiveness of Satan uh, wreaking havocs on, on our lives, on Job's life, uh, we must remember that that God is sovereign, that He is in control, and He's He's in the driver's seat. While our suffering may be without reason, it is never without purpose, and we must remember that. So this leads us to our second point: the sovereignty of God. And let me read to you from uh, verse six to eight again, which we read. Now there was. A day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came along. And the Lord said to Satan, From where have you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro the earth, and from walking up and down on it. And this is important. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil? Well, there is no doubt that um, Job's suffering is great. Um, however, even, even more so because Job didn't know the reason for his suffering. And even until the end, um, if you read till the end, God never bothered to explain to Job why he suffered. Uh, the reason, I guess, is God is God. God is the creator. And Job... And like all of us, we are the creations. And because God is God and God is the creator and we are the creation, God owes Job no explanation and God owes us no explanation as to why we suffer. You know, when, when we are suffering and uh, when we wonder why it happens to us, 
religious people often cried out um, to God, Why me, God? Why and why and why? And however, religious people have a different question. They, they, would, they, would, they would, because they, they believe it's all random. Their suffering is random and, and if there is a God, then there wouldn't be any suffering. So they say, well, all this suffering is random. But the, the fact is, God owes us no explanation to our suffering because God is the creator and we are the creation. While God is mostly silent in the book of Job, uh, God finally addressed Job in, in chapter 38. And let me read, read to you parts of it from verse 4. And this is God speaking. Where were you, addressing Job, when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me. If you have understanding, who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sung and who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and the thick darkness its swaddling band? And the prescribed limits for it and set bars and doors and said, Thus fast shall you come and no farther, and for here shall your, your proud waves be stayed. Have you commanded the morning since your days began and caused the dawn to know its place? On and on uh, he goes, and God was basically saying to Job this. What do you know, Job? Who are you? And how can you even begin to understand? You see, when, when we started, when we experienced suffering and started to be tempted, starting to be tempted to question God, let us remember of who God is and who we are. See, we are the creation and creations do not question the creator. And God certainly does not owe us any explanation. Now, while, while the suffering that Job experienced were entirely the work of evil by the hand of Satan, do you notice that God has always been in control? He's in control in this whole ordeal that Job is going through. God, in fact, invited Satan, as we read in verse 8, chapter 1, verse 8, by, ask, by saying to Satan, Have you considered my servant, Job? And, and again in, in, um, in chapter 1, verse 12, And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has in your hand, only against him, and do not stretch out your hand. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Everything that happened to Job by the hands of Satan, God allowed it to happen with a condition. God has always been in the driver's seat. God has always been in control. And, and um, God just used Satan to, to be his tool. God is doing this to show that he takes pleasure in man's loving him for nothing. And I believe that's, that's true faith and that's true 
devotion, when we love God for nothing. And this leads us to our third and final point, the devotion of men. So after all this time, a wave of destructions, one after another, Job has been quiet, you see. And God has spoken, and Satan has spoken, even the servants have spoken. But now it's time to hear from Job himself when he responds in chapter 1, Job 1, verse 20 to 21. Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshipped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. What Job provides us here is um, it's a very good model when, for, for when we are facing suffering in life. Job never denied the extent of his suffering. By, you know, as we read, he tore his robe, he shaved his head. He was in mourning. He did not hide the fact that he's in mourning. But notice that he didn't go overboard in his mourning. Even though he lost everything, his wealth, his 10 children in a blink of an eye. He confessed with his mouth that uh, he came from his mother's womb empty and he shall return empty. He said, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. See, often our secular world responds to suffering as if everything is, is just mere coincidence, that things happen randomly without purpose. But that's not true. While Job's suffering is without reason, it is not without purpose. On the other hand, though, um, as opposed to the secular world that we that you know say everything is a random, there's no purpose in anything, any of this. Religious people respond quite differently. They respond as if all suffering is the cause of sins that we must repent of, and then you know then we try harder. We 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 come back to God harder and serve Him more. And by doing so, then God will take away our pain and suffering. I believe not only this is just as wrong, and, but it's also un, unbiblical and unhelpful and it's dangerous. Because if you look at uh, the many servants of God in the Bible, they, they suffer uh, horrific death even. And those that have suffering, they, they, you know, they suffered until the end without relief or pain or, or you know, that God lifted up their, their sickness or anything like that. Does it then mean that all these great men and women of God are, are sinful and are repentant? Of course not. That, that's not. That's not right. That's not, that's not what the Bible says. So this forces us Christians to, to have a different kind of response uh, in when we are facing suffering. We have to respond in a radically different way to the secular world as well as to the religious people uh, how, in how they respond to suffering. If you just seek, you know, God harder and God will, will bless you, 
if you just serve him enough, God will bless you. That is just as uh, unbiblical as saying that God does not care or God does not exist. We must see that suffering from, from the suffering of Job, that our suffering is as much as God's plan, good sovereign plan for his goodness and his blessing for his children. And that God has a purpose for our suffering. So if, if the book of Job would have ended in chapter 1, uh, I, I believe the book would have been, and the book and, and the life of Job would have been very inspiring, yet devastating at the same time. And let, it's, impi- it's quite inspiring because we, we see how well Job handled the whole situation. Um, I have not known anyone who suffered like Job as deeply as Job, losing all the wealth, all the children, all 10 children. So it's inspiring to see uh, how Job handled the whole situation, he numb suffering and all. And I, we can say, what, what, what an amazing faith, what an amazing devotion, and what a man Job was. However, not only it's inspiring, it's also devastating, right? Because most of us, if not all of us, certainly me, I, I, I won't be able to go through such suffering and evil and yet still show such a strong faith and devotion. However, thankfully, uh, the book of Job did not end in Job chapter 1. And we shall see, um, I'm going to read to you from uh, Job chapter 3. And the time when Job opened his mouth again, after more suffering come his way, after God allows more suffering to come, to allow Satan to inflict more suffering upon Job, uh, Job opened his mouth in chapter 3, verse 1. And he says, after this, after all suffering, or, or more suffering, Job opened his mouth and cursed the day of his birth. All of a sudden, uh, Job was not so inspiring anymore. Uh, Job cracked. Job cursed the day of his birth, the Bible says. What was he saying? He basically says this. If, if he knew that he would, have, would suffer this much in this life, He'd rather not be born at all. And that's what he said. And as we face COVID-19 pandemic and experience all kinds of sufferings, whether directly or indirectly because of the pandemic, uh, whether the loss of health or income or relationship or anything, perhaps we could ask ourselves this question. Why am I serving God? Why am I worshiping Jesus? Why do I serve God? Do I serve God because of who He is and or I serve Him because of what He can do for me? If we're honest with ourselves, um, if a blameless man and righteous man like Job cracked at the end as he suffered, clearly that there was too much for Job at the end. What chance do we have in this life as we suffer? As we suffer injustice, as we suffer hinam suffering, suffering that seemingly without reason, I don't think we stand a chance at all. That's why I say it's quite devastating 
But we do, you see, if you read the Bible, we do have someone who, who not only suffered as much as Job, but even more so, more in the intensity, more deeply suffered um, than Job. And he endured suffering, not just for himself. He endured suffering, in fact, for our sake. And someone who's unlike Job, who knew all along that he came to suffer. Unlike Job, who cursed the day of his birth, Jesus came foreknowing that he came to suffer and suffer deeply. I want to read to you from Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 to 8. He who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but empty himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Jesus did that for you and for me. So what Job had experienced, Jesus experienced so much more and so much more intense, so much more deeply. Jesus didn't come as a rich person. He came as a poor man, as, a, as an ordinary man. He came as a servant. He came for knowing that he will have to suffer deeply. Yet he didn't pull out. He can because he's God, but he didn't pull out. So if you ask, how can then I can have such an unshakable devotion and faith to God, even in the midst of suffering, even in the midst of injustice, terrible suffering? How can we serve God for nothing and not serve Him for what He can do for me? We got to look at the cross. We got to look at Jesus because to the degree that we see how Jesus did not waver and to suffer willingly for us and not complaining and cursing. And to that degree, we could have such a devotion to Him, such faith in Him, to serve Him for who He is and not for what He can do for us. You see, True faith is a devotion to God, knowing that God owes us nothing. And let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for showing us your love for us through suffering, for helping us to understand your love, not only with our mind, but let our hearts be gripped by your love for us. And I pray for all of us who are suffering in this time, that your love may abound, that your love may be the source for our comfort. May we be strengthened as we face the suffering you have allowed us to experience. You are in control. You are in the driver's seat. And also we want to ask you, Lord, to help us to see and meet the needs of the people around us as we face this pandemic. In all this, Lord, we pray that your name be glorified.
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.